everyone welcome back to another episode of don't be so dramatic my name is rachel and this is the podcast where i talk to different people in the entertainment industry to discover what their job involves and how they got there for this week's episode i have with me australian actor jake ryan now jake is very well versed in the medium of australian tv um he's been on some amazing shows um underbelly wentworth home and away of course i'm sure a fair few people know him from his um work on home and away and i was very interested to ask him about how different it is working on a soap opera as opposed to other projects um australian film and tv because it is different um and it's very fast-paced work as well so we speak about how he approached that work and the advice that he has for young actors as well i was really interested to talk to jake because if you've listened to previous episodes there's there's something that i talk about which is this idea in our industry that um if you are starting out and you haven't made something of yourself in your 20s then you should probably just give up because you're not going to make anything of yourself whilst you're in your 30s or older and so the reason why I was interested to talk to Jake is he started off as an athlete in taekwondo and um, his goal was to get to the Olympics but after he had an injury and that didn't go so well he started to pursue acting in his I would say mid-20s I think it was and then started really booking things in his 30s so he has a very interesting like uh, story as to how he got into the industry and I just I really love hearing different stories because I think it is just a confirmation of all our journeys are different and that's a really exciting thing no matter what your journey is there is always room for success and there's not one specific way to kind of be successful in our industry. And that's really exciting to me. So I really hope you enjoy this episode. And without further ado, let's jump in. Jake, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Thanks for having me. No worries. Um, So you are an Australian actor. And the reason why um, I'm very interested to talk to you is because you um, initially were um, in Taekwondo and you were um, doing sports as a career. And then after being injured, switched to acting. So I'm really interested to kind of hear Basically, where did your interest in the entertainment industry start after you'd been doing Taekwondo for so long? Was it like two things that you really enjoyed doing or um, was it something that you kind of developed an interest in after your injury? Yeah, well, it kind of happened just before. I sort of got, it was a little bit before I um, my injury. Um, I never really had any, I mean, I did plays at school. I went to a Steiner school, so you're always doing a play and that, but I never really, like, I was, oh, God, I've got to do a bloody play. And I wasn't really into it at school or anything. All I wanted to do was go to the Olympics, and that was my sort of sole focus since I was probably about 10, I reckon, or 11. Mm-hmm. As soon as Taekwondo sort of got a berth at the Olympics, that was sort of my, you know, single-visioned focus. And um, 
yeah, it sort of came around because my dad had a pub in Richmond in Melbourne that I used to work at. So I'd sort of train in the mornings and then I'd come and work at the pub and I used to do, I used to clean it up and then I'd have a couple hours in the bar and then I'd go back to training in the afternoon. And there was an old guy who used to um, drink there and I just thought he was an old, I had no idea who he was. I just thought he was one of the old local sort of piss heads and, but he was great. Now I got along really well with him. We always talked about sport and footy and, um, he was actually um, an ex-swimmer who, um, for a time there, he had the Australian record over Murray Rose, mm. who's you know, one of Australia's great Olympians, um, but only for about 20 minutes, I think it was. It might have been <laughs> in one of the heats, and then Murray broke the record. I'm not exactly sure the details, but um, and he was really encouraging of, of my sport, my competing, because I was overseas a lot doing a lot of training camps or or competitions and then I'd come back and um, he would still be sitting there and really an old gentleman um, and it turns out it was Bill Hunter. Right. So I had no idea who Billy Hunter was as an actor um, at the time well, for a couple of years and um, then it, it sort of it twigged to me because people you know would come up and talk to him and mm. he was a pretty sort of um, you know he, he'd just keep to himself and sit there so if people didn't come up and ask him about films and you didn't hear about it he wouldn't sit there talking to you about his career or anything he was more interested in talking about sport and um you know in the afl and and his background as a swimmer and that so he sort of took a bit of a shine to me um and then once it sort of i worked out he was an actor and he used to say oh once you're done with the olympics we're going to get you in front of a camera we're going to <laughs> and I was like, you're dreaming, Bill. There's no way I want to be an actor like that. I'll leave that for you. I've got no interest in it. And then um, we're at a wedding, a mutual friend's wedding, who was actually, he's an actor, Marco Siletto. He's an Italian-Australian um, guy from Melbourne. And him and Bill did a film together on Kangaroo Jack years and years ago. And mm-hmm. they became really close mates. And Marco was a good friend of mine. And it was Marco's wedding. And I went there and me and Bill were having some beers. And... He's, oh, he introduced me to a guy who was Aidan Young. Um, I had no idea who any of these people were. And I was having a few beers and a chat with Aidan. And um, and he said that he's like, oh, I, so Bill tells me you want to be an actor. <laughs> I was like, no, I think Bill thinks that I want to be an actor, but I've got no interest. And he's like, oh, a friend of mine's casting a film. Um, she's having a bit of trouble finding the lead. He's like, you'd be perfect. You just play yourself, basically. You don't have to... Um, can I put you in contact with her? And I was, I was like, oh, oh, yeah, that could be a bit of fun. Never really thought anything of it. And, mm. um, and I did a um, spoke to the director, and um, they um, emailed me the. Um, no, actually, I think I got sent the scenes in the mail. It was well before a lot of that, and I had to film this audition on a VHS camera. <laughs> My sister read it, and then I had to send the tape in the mail to Sydney. <laughs> and then I think I got some notes and had to do another one. And it took like three or four weeks by the time you were sending little mm. VHS tapes back and forth. And um, and I didn't get the part, but it was, she was really awesome. She was, it turned out it was um, for Somersaults with Kate Shortland. Mm. And Kate was really sort of, she's like, oh, look, you know, she gave me a lot of sort of advice and um, sort of pointed me in the right direction. She said, if this is something you want to do, you know, and, um, at the time, I think it was Nikki Barrett who was casting, and she said, "Look, you know, if you if you ever come up to Sydney, you can come and you know we'll sort of sit down and point in the right direction and all that kind of stuff." And so that kind of started a 
I, I sort of ignited a little spark. I, I didn't, I didn't do anything. I didn't get the job, or I didn't do any acting per se, apart from an audition tape. But I mm. found the whole process really exciting, and you know, the idea of potentially being in a film was like, oh yeah, that actually could be really cool. And then I watched the film, and you know, it was like, oh, you know, I fell in love with the whole idea of being an actor. And mm. um, so Bill never really, he sort of just lit a match, you know, lit a, a spark in me and sort of let it go. Didn't, so didn't, didn't open any doors or anything like that, but he just sort of, I think he probably saw it before I realised that I'm, I maybe enjoy doing this before I realised. And, um, you know, I did get the, um, and then a few years after, I did say to him, um, I wanted to go to drama school and he invited me down to his place in Bendigo um, mm. to come come court galar it's called we've property there and, um he wanted to have a beer and have a chat about that so we were having a having a beer and having a chat and he's like do you want to go to drama school and i was like yeah yeah really you know and he just said listen son the only way you'd find me going to drama school is on a motorbike i'd be in the front door and i'd be straight out the back door and he said look around this pub because it was you'll learn more about life and human nature at taking the time and talking to people from all walks of life than you will, you know, in, um, you know, three years with 25 people, <laughs> which I did. I, I learned a lot. I've always taken that on board. I think with, I mean, any kind of people, I think it's important that you sort of treat everyone the same, whether they're you know, mm. living on the street or they're, um, you know, high rolling success, whatever. I think everyone's the same and you can learn from everyone, but, um, and that's kind of where it started. I ended up auditioning and eventually getting in after about four failed years of attempts to a drama school. Really? That's really but I, I got it. I ended up going to Actors Centre for about a year, I think it was, maybe. Mm-hmm. Maybe a year and a bit. It wasn't really for me, but I, I think it was still good to... I needed to go and learn a few foundations and to yeah. see if this is something I really wanted to do. But um, I think learning on the job was always... I, knew, I kind of... I think it's a practical thing, maybe coming from an athletic background um, where it is quite, you know, not so much. Um, I think, yeah, I think just getting in there and getting your hands dirty was sort of how I, I'd learned more. So, mm. um, but that all happened like a year and a half before I did my, I blew my knee out before Beijing Olympics. And it was kind of like a blessing in disguise, I guess, because since then, since Bill sort of, got it into my head that this could be a, you know, a potential career. Um, you know, I'd always sort of had those fantasies of being an actor, but I never really had the courage to do anything about it or, mm. um, or chase it until I had, you know, my fighting career was over at the ripe old age of 23 or four. And I kind of saw it as a bit of a, um, you know, I wasn't too down, I think. I mean, I should have been because it was sort of my yeah. whole life. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I think I was dealing, I dealt with that about 10 years later, I think. But yeah. at the time it was, um, yeah, it sort of, I pretty much up and packed and moved up to Sydney not long after. And um, I think, yeah, and then sort of just started hustling and doing bits and pieces, sort of hassling. I mean, I actually rang up Mark Morrissey because um, <laughs> I met him with Bill years ago when I was just... Bill introduced me to him years ago, and was Bill repped by Mark? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I think Aaron um, predominantly um, was his sort of go-to, but um, and 
Billy, he said to introduce me to Mark one day and it's like, oh, you'll be repping him one day. And I think Mark was like, what are you talking about? Billy? <laughs> and I had no idea. And then I think I cold called Mark when I got to Sydney and <laughs> he kind of blew me off and was like, oh, well, you know, you probably need to go to drama school or get a show <laughs> real or something. You haven't really done anything. And then, um, yeah, and I ended up with Mark like a few years That's after, funny. coincidentally. So, yeah. and then, yeah, so it was kind of feel like it was all meant to be. And, you know, I'm in the, I'm in the hands that I'm meant to be in. And, um, but yeah, that's how it all started, really, but mm. by accident, I think. But mm. by accident. <laughs> I did get the, um, I mean, when Bill was sick, I got to sort of see him on his, on his deathbed and, and, um, you know, hold his hand and, and thank him for, for, for pushing me in that direction because I, you know, a few years down the track and I'd had a bit of work and, you know, I'd, I felt like I'd found my, my calling without sounding too cheesy. But mm. um, so it was nice to be able to have that chance to to sort of thank him as well. And yeah, um, yeah, to be in a position that you, I could be like, hey, you, we, we did all right. We did all right. We got there because mm. we, we started. You're never really getting there, I guess. I think, you know, you know, it's like you never, you never, you're always on the lookout for, for what's next and learning. And so it's, um yeah, but it was a good start. And we, and we got to share that moment. It was really beautiful. Yeah. It's so interesting. Like you just never know where opportunities are going to come from. It's like, you know, things, things are always going to align how they're meant to align. And, you know, you just, you'd never think that the old guy in the pub was going to be the person that would set you on the course that you meant to be on. No, so. exactly. Yeah, no. And, but that's the beauty of life, isn't it? Like you just don't even know, like, I mean, five years time, I might, there might be something else I'm doing, you know, you, you just don't know. Mm. It's true. Like it's I, true. My, it was all sport, Olympics, Olympics, Olympics. And then all of a sudden it's some, you know, in the beautiful old church hall at Actors Centre, you know, <laughs> running around being a, a meerkat or a monkey or something. <laughs> you just, you I just don't know what's around there, you know, like, you know, and yeah. that all happened pretty quickly. So yeah, who knows? Who knows what I'll be doing in five years time. Hopefully I'll be still acting, but. Who knows? Um, it, I, I think it was Angie Ford was saying, cause she trains, um, people in mind. She's a mindset coach and she trains, um, athletes and actors. And I was having a conversation with someone the other day um, and I can't remember how it got brought up, but, um, they were saying about how, um, with method acting, you know, um, actors that really go deep. And I think, um, he was saying about Dustin Hoffman, um, was supposed to be like doing this role where he was absolutely exhausted. And so he ended up making the decision not to sleep when he was shooting he a film. Marathon, didn't he? Didn't oh, he run a marathon and they I filmed as he came know. into the yeah. I don't know, but I just was like, that's that's like sure it makes for a good story, but it's not a a, a sustainable and healthy way to be an actor, you know? Like you gotta it's it's almost like training as an athlete similarly. And I wondered if you kind of found the same with your sport and then going into acting, kind of the the similar mindsets that you have to hold. Definitely. I mean, I think there's so many similarities. Um, I mean, you know, at the end of the day, like you're, it's all about for, as, as an athlete, like when I was fighting, it's all about the preparation you do and the work mm. and the work that you put in before the competition day. And then 
um, you know, then you're 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 on a on a stage competing one other person with a stadium full of people. And it is to me, it was no. I think it, that was really good doing that for twenty years was such good training for um, you know. It, I just keep always find similarities between it. I mean, you're, you're constantly under pressure. There's constant setbacks. There's constant failures. You know, you're, you're constantly learning from your mistakes and, um, you know, and just like analysis and watching your, watching all your, your fights backwards to, to find out, you know, where, where your weak points were, where your strong points were, how you could have done that or against your opponents. Or so there's a lot, of, I think the whole... Um, preparation thing it is really good and also the pressure of being on stage or performing whether it's in theater or on a tv set or a film set or whatever with you know a lot of people running around doing their own jobs and um i mean i think there's a really uh, a real a, a real similar similarity with that stuff and it's definitely gave me i mean i love the whole um one of my favorite parts about acting is the the time that you spend you know, researching or preparing by yourself before you might get into a, have a read through or you might have a rehearsal or before you're on set or I find that like, I love that. I love that sort of side of stuff. And I think a lot of that probably um, comes from the sporting background because the more preparation you do, the more, um, the more, you know, the fitter you are, the, the, the more you've gone over your game plans and everything like that, the more you can actually just let go on the day and it's all in you and you just, you're working off instinct, basically. So that's I. I mean, I wish I had the discipline that I used to have when I was fighting. Um, <laughs> yeah. But you know, I mean, that's not sustainable as well. You know. So, but I think mm. there's a yeah, there's a lot to pull up. You know, and I've spoken to other people that have come from different sports, and it doesn't matter what sport it is. I think just having that sort of regimented, um, the discipline and and the goal setting and the focus and driving towards something. And I, I, people, you know, a lot of people have said that there's a lot of similarities. So, um, mm. yeah, maybe everyone should take up a sport or something. Before. <laughs> but that, I, mean, I mean, I'll try, but. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? Like, it's so different for everyone. There's no right or wrong in acting or whatever. You know, it, no one's, everyone's methods are different. Everyone's process is different. And, you know, you're sort of you're constantly adding to what might work. What might work for one job is not necessarily going to work for the next job. Mm. I mean, I've, I've fallen into that trap before of, you know, having process for a job and getting it all right or what I thought was right and then trying to take that process into another job. And it's like, oh, no, it doesn't completely different. It doesn't work. It's a different environment. It's a different character. Um, so I think adapting to maybe that comes from, and you know the uh, an athletic background or i mean i could have picked two jobs that actually you know were financially sustainable <laughs> i've gone from you know an athlete in a sport that is no money whatsoever to be mm -hmm. made into um an industry that's um you know you could if you're lucky to barely keep your head afloat so yeah Maybe I'll be a doctor or something in my next life. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe that's a, a better decision. <laughs> I know, my poor family, God. They've been putting up with me since, living pipe dreams since I was 10. <laughs> well, I think, like, that way of thinking is probably why, because, um, you know, you were saying you came into the industry in, like, your mid-20s. I think that um, not being able to understand how to... Um, 
take on criticism and to alter your performance to be the best performance. I think young actors starting out often will kind of get caught up in the criticism and it kind of really damages their beliefs about themselves and then they kind of drop out of the industry. So I I would probably say that, you know, you're already like having to watch yourself fighting and whatnot. Like excruciating to, to do, but you've got to yeah. do it to to better yeah. yourself. I think. Yeah. Yeah, and so when like a casting director turns around and goes, "Hey, you know, you need to, you need to do this, this, and that," it's not an issue for you. It's like, oh yeah, of course, no problem. Not like, oh my god. And also, like when you work, you know, with working with directors, you know, often they'll ask you, like, you know, how do you like to work? And I'm like, look, if I'm not, the, I'd rather be straight up. If it's not working, or you don't believe it, or it looks shit, or doesn't sound right, or whatever, like, just tell me straight up. I, I, I much prefer that than someone sort of you know, pissing in your pocket and mm-hmm. beating around the bush. It's just, if it's crap, it's crap and we can fix it. Like, but, and I think there, that might've come from the the sporting thing. I definitely don't think I would have been ready to jump into the, this industry any younger than I was. I don't think I would have lasted if I, if I sort of jumped in at 18, 19 or even 20, 21, 22, I don't think I would have survived very long. So, um, mm. yeah, I mean, you have times where you're like, oh, I wish I got into it younger. But then when I, if I really think about it, I would have lasted six months or a year, I reckon, if I was any younger. I just wasn't ready. Like, I'd sort of, you know, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I wasn't ready for what this industry throws at you. Oh, yeah. You pull <laughs> underneath your feet. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I was saying to you before, it's just interesting with this kind of idea that, Um, floats around in a lot of actors' minds about, you know, your 20s are the time where you really need to make it as an actor and if you don't make it in your 20s, then maybe at 30 you should reconsider your career and, you know, maybe just, like, move on. And, yeah, I just found it really interesting, obviously, because you did start not late but um, somewhat late and, like, into your 30s was when you really started booking all those kind of big jobs it's like there's just so much proof in the industry that is proving that idea wrong and yet still people have this idea of like, oh, God, like I'm in my late 20s. They're not going to have any roles for me when I'm in my 30s. It's like, what? Who who told you that? <laughs> Where did that come from? It's just this funny idea. Yeah, I mean, I still have those thoughts sometimes. I'm like, oh, God, I've missed my boat with American stuff. or, um, But I... I don't know. I mean, what? that's the funny thing, isn't it, with acting? Like, no matter who you talk to on whatever level they are, they're always striving for something more, I think. I mean, you look at the big Hollywood guys. I mean, I bet you they're still, you know, they, they've so, they love what they do. There's that lure of the next job and the, the, the better performance and the better gig or anything. So, I mean, what, what sort of, you know, apart from sort of being financially, set up i mean i think people there's that lure with industry that you're never really content are you like you wouldn't keep doing it if like you you can never really make it i suppose Mm. in a sense because you're always striving for something more or something you know and i think um yeah i mean i don't know i definitely do have those thoughts as well you know like oh god i'm getting a bit old there's not that many roles but then you know i think guys are kind of lucky there's you know there's a lot of really good roles for that sort of 30 to 40 you know, they're even they're probably the better roles. I think there's that sort of gap around your your early twenties yeah. that 
there's not a whole heap after that. But I mean, if that's the case, then you know. But you know, people can it's so easy to make your own stuff now. Like you know, mm. write a short with your mates of your, you know, your, your, your the dream character that you want to play, or um, you know, write a film that's uh, you know, the film that you want to be. And like, there's so many. It's can be it can be done now. So mm. like, yeah. But it's um, yeah. I mean, we're ever gonna not have those thoughts, are we? As actors, you're always constantly thinking. And the concern and the worry. I, I know every job might, I do. Every job, you know, potentially is my last job. And mm. um, I think as you just get a bit older, you sort of let go of the, um, the desperation that you've got of needing to book every job that comes your way. That you think that's the last job that's ever going to audition that you're ever going to get, and there's going to be nothing like it. And if you don't get it, your opportunities will never come. I think the sort of I've slightly I've learned to let go of that a bit, and you know there's always going to be another audition and there's going to be a, a show or a film that I've never thought of or heard of that's going to pop in. That's going to be, you know, mm. so I think sort of, and also just, yeah, just having sort of faith that the, um, you know, there's still a lot of good stuff getting made in Australia and a lot of great stories to be told still. And, you know, really a lot of amazingly talented people making some good stuff. So it's, um, and I think coming out of this whole, um, COVID sort of experience that we're still going through and will go through for a while, I think. But I, it seems to be there's a really a real positive vibe vibe amongst a lot of people that I've spoken to of, um, you know, really. I think there's going to be a lot of good stuff come out of it, not necessarily around COVID, but you know, I think everyone that's sort of you realise that you can't live without you know doing your art and. Yeah, creativity. No, no matter what circumstance, yeah, it's yeah. part of you. Whether you know whether you the world shut down and you are forced to not do anything, but I think you know a lot of people have realised that there's you forget that you love doing it. I think, and you forget yeah. that no one forces you to do this. Like no <laughs> yeah. one's making us do it. You know, <laughs> this is our decision, our choice, and uh, you know we do it because we love it. And I think that's what I've been reminded of that over the last couple of months. Of um, yeah, that it, you know. And you, you, you sort of, if it means you've got to sort of make some more of your opportunities or, you know, I think it's, um, I think, I think the industry hopefully will, will be in a good place. You know, it will take a little bit of time to recover, but I think, um, I think there'll be a lot of good stuff coming, you know, coming up, I reckon. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I think that this time of like not being able to do what we love, it's kind of made everyone really evaluate why they like being in the industry and, um, you know, why they're doing this job, like what does it fulfill in their life? And so I think everyone's kind of kicked their butt into gear a bit and being like, okay, yeah, what am I, what am I going to do? What's my next move after this? Rather than, you know, just being in the wishy-washy like, well, I'll just wait for my next audition, I guess, which is fine. But, you know, I think it's, yeah, um, I think this is a much needed kind of kick in the butt. Although, you know, maybe it, it would have um, been nice to not have to go through it. But in like looking at the silver lining of the situation, I think it was a much needed kick in the butt for some people. Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's been such a um, you know, horrific time for a lot of people and, you know, the economy and you know, all our health workers and, and everything. But, I, you know, I, if you push Mother Nature to its limits, you know, as we've done, it's, you know, 
she needs to have a breather every now and again. And um, I, I feel like it's a bit of a, you know, a bit of a wake up call and a slap for everyone. So. Mm, yeah, definitely. Um, now, one of your first films that you did, was it a Bollywood film? Yeah, I, um, <laughs> it was a Bollywood film. What was it called? Um, Salam Namaste. Yeah, and, um... which is amazing. I just, when I look at you, it doesn't scream Bollywood to me. <laughs> no, God, no. It was actually really funny because um, through Bill, actually, I met John Malloy. Um, and the Malloy boys and John was a producer, he was, he's a producer, very good producer, film producer. Um, and then John, he, uh, he, they got him, he got him to play, they needed an Aussie guy at a wedding for the, to marry this Indian girl. And the two main couple met at the wedding. Right. It was like, it was literally like you do the wedding ceremony and then they have this, um, and I got there and I was like, oh, Bollywood, it's all singing and dance. He's like, oh, don't worry, you have to don't, don't, you won't do any singing or dancing because I can't sing or dance to save myself. <laughs> and I got there and there was like 300 professional dancers and <laughs> we had to do this like dance on the beach, like oh, choreographed dance. Oh, my God. <laughs> and it, well, I had so much fun doing it. But yeah. when you watch it, and I hope no one ever does see it, I'm about a foot taller than anyone. <laughs> <laughs> completely out of time and you can tell that the white guy can't dance and has no rhythm and all these other professional amazing dancers were there um yeah and i, I look completely ridiculous and um but i had so much fun with it and um yeah it was it was a good little that was a good little intro to into you know what it's like being on set and yeah you know, having fun and i think the best thing i did though was work for a friend's production company is just a bit of a, a bit of a, I was doing, you'd do everything from getting coffees to, it was on ads and stuff. So it was sort of, you just doing bits and pieces, helping out wherever you can. But I think what was really important about that was, um, and I was still in drama school, I think when I did it, but it really got rid of that whole fear of, you know, as an actor being on set, that everyone there is looking at you, critiquing you, mm-hmm. watching your performance and everything. And you realise that everyone's so busy in their own worlds. The lighting guys are busy looking at their lighting. <laughs> They're thinking about the next shot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, everyone there, no, like apart from the director and the maybe the producer or whatever, no one's actually even watching your performance. So it really, you know, get over yourself and <laughs> just go and do your job like everyone else is doing their job. So that was really... I think that should be, um, I think a lot of people, especially young actors, they should try, you know, go and spend some time, you know, on a set, whether it's ads or whatever, um, just learning the ropes on how the crew work and, mm. you know, not just to have more respect for the amount of work that they put in, but more also, work yeah, just realise. For sure. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, any young actors out there, go and get a job in crew and, um, you know, See how see how the ropes are working. Yeah. Realise sure. that you're not that important. No. <laughs> no one really cares about you. Just That's keep right. going to do your job. <laughs> <laughs> that cameraman has been holding up that camera for about 12 hours now and he does not give a shit about your performance. <laughs> no, just, just rock up. Know your, you know, know your staff and be on time and get it done and then get out of the way. Mm, yeah. Um, now, um, obviously you've also, um, done a few Australian TV shows. 
um, starting off with Underbelly, which was a great TV um, series for Australia, I think. Um, I think there were some great stories um, to tell in that series. Remind me which series you were a part of. I did the um, the Underbelly Razor, so the 1920s one, which was oh, so I cool because it was I all period. I that one, yeah, the yeah. Kate Lee, the sort of the Razor Gangs and the Cross, and it was wild and it was awesome. And, you know, you got to work with, um, you know, people like Danielle Cormack, mm. who's still to this day one of the most amazing actors I've ever, you know, been lucky enough to share a you know a set with and mm. um and guys like steve lamarquin and like legends that i'd sort of watched from you know in films and stuff so i was pinching myself you know that being my first sort of proper job and yeah um, but it was cool because you got to dress up in 1920s yeah have a pretty crazy haircut and <laughs> yeah it was a lot i had so much fun on that job yeah and um... yeah it was good it was um uh, yeah. Obviously, living in Sydney as well, and then being able to like because of that um, story is quite historical to King's Cross, and so being able to learn about that stuff as well is really cool. It was awesome, yeah. and I was living in Elizabeth Bay at the time, so like right in the cross, and part of all that sort of preparation stuff that I just love. It's like a, you know, especially when it's a period thing, it's like a big, you know, it's like you're doing a virtual history lesson as well. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then... I definitely walked through, you know, I walked down Coward Street, you know, a lot differently after the, you know, the big rays of gang fights that were down in that street. And so it was just really cool to see see the city that you live in in a different light. Mm, for sure. And then um, moving into Home and Away then, did you find, because um, obviously Home and Away is technically a soap opera i mean it's a little bit different to like the big american soap operas where they're like oh my god but um it's still a soapy yeah i mean they probably want you know i mean i know they want it to be it's a drama but it's a everyone knows it's a soap it's a well only so many people can die in bus crashes you know exactly (laughs) yeah it's the storylines are pretty out there ridiculous but i mean it's the most dangerous place on earth you'd never go there if you're um, wanting a fresh start or a quiet getaway (laughs) did you find it um how did you find going into the soap opera acting then um Um, it was i mean i I probably underestimated, I definitely underestimated how much work you've got to do, mm-hmm. um, how fast they work, like the pace that you're going at, the, um, the volume of, of stuff that you've got to get through. So that was a bit of a, you know, that was really good. That was a bit of a slap in the face in a good way to go, you know, because everyone has their preconceived ideas, I think, with, with Home and Away and that. And, and, you know, and I did too, to be honest, before I... I went on it. You're sort of like, oh, do I really want to do this? Um, mm. And at the time, I was living in my car actually, and I was like, I need really? a job. And it popped up, and it was yeah, it was, I was like, great, this is good. I'll do it for six months, and then um, I think after about three months, they offered me a bit longer, and I was really enjoying it. And I was learning a lot, so I think I ended up staying for two years. But um, yeah, the pace is like you have to be. Again, you've got to be prepared for that. Like, is it, it, there's so many people working so hard on that show. The crew are unbelievable. They work tirelessly. Mm. And, you know, you have to be prepared every scene that you're there because you just can't waste anyone else's time. So I think it was a really good um, a really good learning curve for me with just getting comfortable on, 
you know, and then throw, they always, they'd always throw you scenes here and there, like, oh, hang on, we've got to do this scene this afternoon, or we've just written another scene, we're going to shoot this after this one. And so it really gets you sort of learning quickly, making decisions. Um, I mean, I don't love that sort of style of work. I love how you can, the more time you spend on something, but that's mm-hmm. that's the nature of that beast. And it's a, um, you know, I think it's definitely a good learning curve for any young actor that wants to punch out two or three hundred episodes is a lot of work to yeah um to do in a couple of years but um you know i think i i've i was definitely ready to go when my time was up i was mm. um you know I, i'd sort of done my time as to say but yeah. it was um yeah it was good it was just you know you, you just really sort of get some experience under your belt i mean there's only so much you can get doing a show here or a couple episodes on that or a little bit in a film that year and then you sort of you know if you have a if I had a look at my first five or six years I probably only did three weeks of work and you know four weeks of work in five years and then to be able to go and have that that amount of hours under your belt on set I think it's been really valuable mm, um, sure. yeah but it was good it was um yeah, it was. I enjoyed it and I learned a bit, and well, I learned a lot actually. And yeah, and then it was, you know, I think it's, it's sort of, it's a fine line. I think though, with you don't want to stay on there too long because no one will touch you <laughs> in the industry. Yeah, yeah. But also, it's you know, you're you're getting a weekly paycheck, and you know, you've got bills, and you know, so it's um, mm. you know, that's that's also I see the lure of, you know, staying on a show for a long time, but mm. um. Yeah, I need, I sort of I think I needed a bit more creatively and um you know, there was a few other op- opportunities popping up. So it was yeah, it was it was time to go. Mm. Um can we talk about um you were just saying that you were living in your car before you booked home and away. What was kind of the series of events that led to that? Was that because you were kind of hell bent on chasing an acting career and obviously it's we, you know, working casually in a job that you don't want to do, like bartending and whatnot, which we've all done, is um, not ideal. So, yeah, what what were the events that kind of led to that? Yeah, well, I mean, it wasn't all that bad. I mean, I was sort of, I had my car. Um, I was I was sort of running a joint in Sydney, a cocktail bar called Sticky for a while, and we closed up shop a lot sooner than the owner thought they would. He sort of got stooged on the, on the new lease and that. So we all got left in a lurch. And um, when you're living sort of paycheck to paycheck, you you know, even a week or two without getting paid, it was kind of like, shit, I can't pay the rent. And um, mm. so I just sort of packed everything up in my car. And um, I had a, I sort of had it parked at a mate's place in Bondi. So I could go in and use his shower and stuff. But it was, I kind of enjoyed it though. <laughs> I, I was probably six weeks and I was like, I actually don't mind this. I've got, you know, I'm a pretty simple guy and, you know, I only had, you have bare minimum, you know, there's no, I hardly had any stuff with me, like no furniture or anything. You're at the beach every day. So it wasn't as bad as it sounds, but, you know, it was at the point where I was plan. I planned, I'd moved back to Melbourne. Um, so I had about a month before I was going back to Melbourne and then, then the home and away job came up. So I went back to Melbourne for a bit and then came back up again a couple of months later to start filming that. And mm. Yeah, it was, um, so I've got a screaming baby in the That's background. That's so fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, Were you signed with Mark when um, you booked home and away? Yeah, yeah, that came through them. And I mean, initially 
I was, it was funny because I was sort of so, I was a bit, I don't know, I think because I'd auditioned every, every kind of bad guy on that show for about five years and <laughs> I'd get down to the last few and wouldn't get it. So I was like, nah, I'm not doing it. They don't, that's kind of like a waste of time. Yeah. You always get down to the last couple and then it goes to someone else and I'm like, I can't be bothered going through that again. And then, but that, this one stuck and, um, I was pretty adamant that I only wanted to do the five months. But then after about six weeks, I think, um, yeah, I actually, I was enjoying it and um, realised I had so much to learn and, um, you know, there was so much improvement that was needed. So it was, it was um, you know, I was lucky enough to have the opportunity to stay for a bit longer and, you know, have mm. a little stint on there. Yeah. It's funny, like, I feel like whenever you just really do not care about the audition, that's the one that you always book. And, like, going in and being like, I just, I can't, like, I don't care. You've seen me. I'm just going to do the scene. Here I go. There's the scene. Goodbye. I'm probably not going to book it once again. And they're like, yes. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, I wonder how many jobs everyone's lost because they're so nervous or, Mm -hmm. um, you know, or they've wanted it too much. But... Uh, I don't know. I find the jobs that I book are the ones that I, you know, are not lazy with, and I put the work in. Mm. Like if I, if I, and not every job's right for you. Like you know what it's like. It's, you know, that brief might come through and you'll do it, but you, you know, and if you don't believe you're right for it, you're never going to be able to convince someone else that you're right for it. Mm. But you know, every now and again, you get those ones that you, um, you know, that you're like you, you can't imagine not doing. Um, but if, yeah, I find if I put the work in and, um, obviously it's, you know, a lot of the time it's out of your control and if you, you just might not look like what they want or mm-hmm. your whatever, or your hair color or your, <laughs> you're too tall or too short or you sound different or you don't look like <laughs> what they write as on or, um, that's a good thing too. I think just letting go of, um, or realizing that there's so much out of your control and you just control, you can worry about the stuff that you're in control of and. You know, so you got to. You can't take it personally. God, if no. you took it every audition, you said got no to, like took it personally, you'd you'd go crazy, wouldn't you? Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> and I know that a lot of people do um, do that, and um, yeah, end up um, dropping out of the industry because it's just not sustainable. You know. No, I mean I've definitely had my moments there where I'm like, "What am I doing? I should be doing something else." But the other trap when you get into it a bit older, I suppose you put all your eggs into one basket, and you, I feel like I'm too old to do, try anything else. I feel like I'm too <laughs> old at 36 to start fresh at something else. So I've got no other option but to just try and stick it out and hope for the best. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you like, well, this is it for life now. Yeah, well, you know, I can't. If I went to building an apprenticeship now. I'm 36, I'd be apprentice at 39, I wouldn't, yeah, it's not worth it. I might as well just stick at you. (laughs) That's right. Um, Now, um, before we wrap up, I know you have some films that are coming out sometime soon, so please tell me about them. I I actually got really lucky. While I was doing Home and Away, um, a script, a Kiwi script came across me um, based off the... um, Loosely based off the, the 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 beginning of the Mongrel Mob, which is a bikey or a street gang over there, and um, so I I mean you're not really meant to be auditioning while you're in contract there, but I, I just read the script, I fell in love with it, and I loved the character, and 
um, we managed to convince them to let me do a tape and send yeah. it over there. And but that went on for about four months of auditions for that one, I think, back and forth. And I was in New Zealand, and then the director was out here a couple of times. And um, but to get time off from home is really hard. So you need about eighteen weeks' notice for the writing. Right. And it was getting really close, and I hadn't had an answer, a yes or no, you know. But I was, I kind of hedged all my bets. I might actually get the job, so I, I told them the way that I booked it, <laughs> and I hadn't booked it yet. So, and they approved my time off. So they so sent you like, character so on much holidays. Like, yeah, I, I think he cracked his shits and went to these farm disappeared to the farm for six weeks but um <laughs> but that worked out all right because I ended up getting the job and um and you know I wasn't sort of stuck with that a gig for, for six weeks but that was cool it's called Savage um mm-hmm. it was meant to be out last week actually but um with all the sort of COVID stuff I think it's I don't, I don't know I think it might hopefully get maybe a September or October release in New Zealand first and then here Mm-hmm. Um, but that was pretty wild experience. Sort of, we had to get approval from, you know, some of the original gang members that the story sort of loosely mm. based around the lives of these young boys that, you know, grow up in the Borstal, the boarding homes, and the abuse that they are, um, that sort of thrown upon them, all these kids from at a young age, and basically what turns them into being these animals when they're older. So, um, I went to hang out with a lot of the gang guys and go over there every Friday. So I'd finish working at home away Friday and we'd go to New Zealand. You'd spend a weekend over there sort of, you know, hanging out with people and talking to people and then come back on Sunday. And then we did that for about a month, which was pretty wild. It was pretty exhausting, but it was so, it was just really good because a lot of these guys are sort of, um, you know, they've never had families. They've never had, they've never had anything that, you know, like these kids have been thrown into these boarding homes since they were one and two years of age and getting mm. abused by the police system and the government system there, you know, mentally, physically, sexually. And you sort of go, no wonder they turn into these animals that they did. Um, but to sort of, and that's all, again, that whole preparation thing that I just love, like, you know, finding out about more different people's lives and, you know, different times. I had no idea about the sort of system that was going on over there in the sort of 70s and 80s with these young kids. So it was, um, it's a pretty important film for New Zealand people. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm really excited to see how that goes when it comes out. I mean, I think it's going to be a bit controversial, but it definitely tells a story that needs to be um, talked about over there. So um, I'm hoping that that sort of reaches a good audience and, yeah, so yeah, we'll see how that goes. And then um, Streamline is a, a coming-of-age sort of... It's funny, it's a film about a young Olympic hopeful swimmer um, <laughs> played by Levi Miller, who's an amazing young little actor. He's a, and he's a great kid. Um, and I was playing his brother who sort of leads him astray. And um, <laughs> it was funny because it's... You know, I, I kind of saw a lot of me when I was sort of competing in the kid's character, but then... You know, you're playing the um, crazy narcissistic, you know, low life of an older brother who's sort of slowly ruining his ruining his life without even him ever knowing about it. Mm. So and that was awesome. That'll be out, I think. I think that'll coincide with the Olympic Games next year. So they're hoping 
July 21, 20, yeah, 2021, I think that's when the games will be. So that, that'd be nice. It'd be nice if they both sort of came out a bit, uh, a bit earlier, but mm. I mean, I'm proud of boys, I think you do, but it's, we're both cool, important stories and, um, you know, I got to work with some amazing people. So it's, yeah, hopefully yeah. they, um, Hopefully they reach our cinemas and um, yeah, people get to see them. We um we definitely would like to see some new films um because obviously everyone just spent isolation watching things and now we need some new content. So, so. well, that's the good thing about it all, isn't it? That there's going to be um um you know there's going to be a massive drive for more content. So hopefully that means that you know production picks up for everyone. Or... I'm excited to see them. It kind of sound the um savage kind of sounds um like a similar um sort of thing to I don't know if you've seen Boy Erased, which was um Joel Edgerton's film and Yeah, I mean gonna... I've, it's definitely got that sort of vibe at the start of the film. It's sort of and it, it starts off as you know, my character is a young kid and his best mate in, you know, in the boarding school going to the, the, the those homes and the way they're treated. So, mm. um, yeah, I mean, it, then it quickly goes into the, the sort of gang life of what, you know, these guys growing up and developing mm. their own gang, which is their family. Um, mm. But, yeah, definitely um, there's some similar elements to that, yeah. Mm. And important stories, you know, people need to, 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 to see that that's what, you know, what's been going on. Yeah, I feel like we're at a time in film now where these sorts of things, because we're a lot more open with talking about experiences and emotions and all that sort of thing, which, you know, in previous years in our parents and their parents' generations was just not the thing to do. So I think, you know, all these films coming out that talk about these experiences where people can go, oh, I I experienced something similar now. Like I'm not alone, kind of thing. I think they're so important. A hundred percent. I mean, I think that's kind of. You, I think stories like that need to be told in all all aspects of you know, not just that particular subject matter. But I mean, I think that's kind of a responsibility of working in the arts too, and especially being in the film or TV industry, that we have an obligation to, um, you know, to tell these stories and to tell them with as much truth as you can and integrity and. Um, yeah, and I, I just really think they're really important. I mean, I love mindless action stuff as well, just for escapism or like good comedy. But I, at the heart of it, I mean, you know, I love the sort of heavy drama, um, the important stuff as well. I mean, especially when you're doing it, I think when you realise that you're part of something that's um, telling someone else's story that um, might heal people or it might um, close a gap between people. I think once you're sort of, if you're doing stuff like that too, it's, you know, you, you want to do the best work you can and um, as truthfully and with as much integrity as you can because it's an important story for other people, It's you know. And I, I love that sort of side of it. I mean, if, if they were the only jobs I ever got that were, you know, telling... And most of the time I play the bad guy in that story and <laughs> shine a light on the worst of society. But, you know, that I mean, you, people, you know, those characters need to be... Um, you know, they, they need to come to life to, to tell the story. And, yeah, I really enjoy sort of that, that sort of side of it. Yeah, I think with those, like, bad characters as well, you know, um, some actors, I think, find it a little bit difficult to play them because, you know, when you're playing those characters, you kind of have to 
sometimes you you look to sympathize with them almost but sometimes that's not the point it's like you're the vessel for others to sympathize with the other character who's suffering because of you yeah you know you don't need to find the good no but that's what i love so much about sort of dark characters or characters like that that do things that are completely or they're values or morals are completely different to yours um but mm. what i find so interesting about it is that you've got to like you, you you have to be able to justify everything that they do or say because you know if, if there's not even bad people you know out there whether they're a character or in real life they they believe they're doing the right thing you know that i think a lot of people believe that no this is you know this needs to happen i'm doing good for myself or for other people so i think you're really then I I love that challenge in playing sort of the bad guys, I suppose. Is and a lot of the time they're a lot more complex. They're a lot, lot more layered. There's so mm-hmm. much more you can find in them. But you know, you whether you still agree with them or not, you still have to be able to justify your actions. And I find that really interesting. Whether it's um, I mean that the like the hardest one I did was I played a, a nasty, nasty guy in Wentworth, which was Danielle Cormack's husband, who was a wife beating bastard rapist like absolute pig of a human but um and i didn't really want to do it at first because it was pretty it was quite confronting but um i think i really learned to sort of love playing those kind of guys through that because you've got to be able to to make the performance you know believable or what you know to send that message across like you need to be able to justify every action you do and you don't have to agree with your character but you've you know, in your character's head, you're, you're doing the right thing and you're doing it in that moment what is needed to be done or, you know, that you're you're making the world a better place, even on the outside, when Jake would look at it and go, you're a pig, you're disgusting and that's not right. But I think um, I just like those characters. There's a lot more to them. They're, you know, you can play with them a lot more. There's, yeah, and the layers of them. and They're mm. really challenging. Um, but, yeah, I'd, I'd be happy just playing there. Uh, I'm quite happy to get typecasters, those kind of guys. I mean, they're really interesting. I don't yeah. know if I'd, I'd, I think I'd like to play you a romantic lead kind of, I don't know, there's enough good-looking, better-looking blokes out there that can with the packs that can fill those roles. Yeah, well, thank you for coming on. Um, is there no, anything so else? I wasn't dribbling on too much too. I, I said this to you. I said that that's what podcasts are for. <laughs> so... <laughs> Dribble and go on a tangent. I don't even know what I'm talking about. Apologies <laughs> to anyone listening who um, got lost or doesn't understand what I was saying because I probably don't understand half. Of them, so. <laughs> it makes my job so much easier. I just have to sit here, which I loved. Well, thank you again for coming on, and we'll talk to you well, soon. Thanks for having me, mate. Yeah, take it easy. <laughs>